Grace Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through His Word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod, and we're thinking about the one of the most. Well, I said I said last time the most famous episode we looked at the Passover, but the other most famous episode when they crossed the the parted waters of the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh and his army are drowned in their pursuit. We're looking at all of chapter 14 and chapter 15. And just for chapter 14, a couple of thoughts and then most of our time on chapter 15. Andrew, tell us about how um, this is a lesson in God's monogism. Yeah. So there's a uh, the Lord leads them into difficulty and they get trapped between the sea and the army so they've got you know putin behind them and the atlantic ocean in front of them there's nothing they can do and they're crying out they're terrified and moses says to them look don't be don't be afraid you're going to see the salvation of the lord and i love that it's underlined it's sea um because actually they're told um beforehand that um uh, they went up out of israel equipped for battle in 1318 um, so we're expecting there to be some showdown where everyone gets their swords out. But when the final showdown comes, not one Israelite sword is used. So the salvation of the Lord, which he will, he will work for you today. And then Moses says, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. And there's this wonderful picture that actually salvation is not a team game. Mm. Um, there's only one hero He's like, you know, the Incredible Hulk against the United States Army. He just does it on his own. And um, you get this um, wonderful idea picked up again when you get to the Gospels. So as you get close to Jesus' death, um, they're all there. You know, they've all been doing ministry together. And then it becomes very obvious that actually it's not a 12, it's a 1. And, then, and they're ready to fight, actually, even, aren't they? So Peter's yeah. got his sword to, to fight against the high priest's servant. Exactly. And they Put your sword even, away. Yeah, and Gethsemane underlines this. You know, they can't even stay up and watch. And, and Jesus is going through it all, and they're useless. And then eventually he goes alone to save the world. And um, so the message for the Christian is watch. Uh, your salvation is something that you get to see and enjoy. Someone else does it. Um, two other things that we got was this pointing out is once again this theme tune of Exodus that this displays who God is and it's kind of just piggybacking on your point but um, chapter 14 verse 4 I will harden Pharaoh's heart I will get glory over Pharaoh and his host and the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh and then verse 18 the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I've gained glory over Pharaoh his chariots his horsemen so the idea that God is strong and don't stand against him because you'll lose and God wants to have that reputation of being the the final judge and then related to that is the idea of whom you should be afraid of so um the the people of Israel are very scared about Pharaoh and we're told verse 10 the Egyptians are marching over after them and they feared greatly and fear of um, other people fear of, of tyrants can really damage your faith because they then immediately say um, verse 11 is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness um, is this not what we said in Egypt leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians it would have been better to serve the Egyptians now, this is a terrible thing to say but um, just fear of tyranny causes them to doubt God and then what I love about the chapter is by the end of it 
um, things reverse because God defeats Pharaoh. He drowns them all as the waters of the Red Sea um, unpart. And we read verse 31. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. They believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And we see this again and again in the Bible. It's one of my favourite things. You've probably heard me say it before. But this fear swap. You, you, human beings are hardwired to be scared of things. And the only question is, whom are you scared of? And and Israel and Exodus changes their fear from a fear of Pharaoh to a fear of someone much more terrifying, actually much more powerful, namely the Lord himself. But then with fear of the Lord comes trust in the Lord. He's strong enough to be able to help us. <coughs> so um, interesting, isn't it, that the waters part and they walk through on dry ground. And that would be the thing that I would celebrate because that is amazing, you know, you, to actually being able to walk to France, not through the Channel Tunnel, but just on the surface of the sea. That's amazing. But it isn't the thing that they celebrate. So the, the, the real excitement comes not from the waters parting, but from the waters unparting to drown the Egyptians. Yeah, and this um, we then get a pause and we get a song all about this. So that you get this occasionally in Exodus. There's a bit of a genre shift, like a genealogy or... Uh, we had it with the institution of the Passover. And now we get a song in the middle of the narrative, um, point kind of slowing us down and showing us not just these are great events, but this is how we respond to it. We, we should start delighting and rejoicing in it. Um, and, and there is this song. What, yeah, what, what is the song about? It's, you were saying it's a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think we have any Christian songs like this. In fact, one of our friends wrote one, which we might play at the end of this podcast, but... There are hardly any songs that go, hooray, hooray, the Lord smashed them. <laughs> but it is a it is a thing to be celebrated. So they don't celebrate, hooray, we got to walk through the sea. They, they celebrate, hooray, Pharaoh did not manage to walk through the sea. And I suppose it's kind of obvious because if God had just parted the sea, that wouldn't really be enough because they'd cross and the Egyptians would cross and the, the chase would continue. But the salvation comes at the point that the Egyptians are drowned. And we talked about this in the last episode on the Passover, but salvation of God's people entails the judgment on their enemies. It's only through judgment on Pharaoh that God's people are really safe. And that is what they sing about. So I'll sing to the Lord. He's triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he's thrown into the sea. And all of it really is about Pharaoh drowning and the Egyptian chariots um, uh, sinking like a stone um we we thought about let's think about why have the shift in genre so you've you said it enables us to respond um so we're not supposed to just dispassionately read chapters 1 to 14 we're supposed to sing about them how does this poem and i guess you know we ought to and and should set it to music but how does the poetry itself act as a vehicle for our emotions and our praise and cause us to sort of rise up in in praise of the Lord. Yes, songs are very important. Actually, one final, one little thing before we get onto that. I um, was just reminded when you were speaking about um, celebrating the destruction of Pharaoh, there's this line in chapter 14, verse 13, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And I, I like to imagine, you know, little Reuben being tucked in at night. He's got 40 years of sleeping in a tent in the desert. Each night, potentially, he says to mummy, you know, is this the night Pharaoh is going to come after us? And then she tucks him in and she says, no. <laughs> Do you not remember? We, we saw that corpse washed up on the beach. We're going to be okay. 
and and that's the christian life we we look back and we know that we're totally safe and it's because not only did they get through but pharaoh was defeated and and what a you know comfort that is sorry back to songs and um, songs are catchy that's one of the great things about them and um once you i mean my my children call um call them earworms and they're always um they it's a success if they start singing something and then they later on i'm humming it because they say you know transfer complete and um, they've, they've managed to infect me with their song um, but that's that's the way songs are meant to work that we're meant to to wake up humming them um and um that is actually how this song works through the rest of the bible because later on it gets hummed by other people and um, the horse and his rider are thrown into the sea it's in um is it in haggai yeah. Um, you get it in Revelation and so on. Um, songs um, keep um, truths fresh in us because they keep coming back onto our internal playlist. And this one's got a chorus, doesn't it? I mean, that is the chorus. So Moses kicks off with it in verse 1 and then Miriam um, repeats the chorus at the end, verse 21. Sing to the Lord, he's striped gloriously, the horse and his rider, he's thrown into the sea. And then there's a whole load of... We're not. I mean, I didn't. if I was very at reading poetry, I didn't enjoy it at school and... Now, as a Christian, I do enjoy it, but I'm sort of slow to the game. But there's all sorts of ways in which, if it had just been in narrative, it wouldn't have had quite the power of it being in poetry. So you've got these, the way Hebrew poetry works is not by rhyming, but by having pairs of lines or triplets of lines that kind of intensify. So, um, he is my God and I'll praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. You get to say it twice, but more the second time. He is my God. He's my father's God. I'll praise him. I'll exalt him. Um, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. His chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. It's like one line and then another. And, and what's more, even more, his chosen ones were. I um, love, as you're probably going on to it, but the rhythm is, I, I love it in verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. And then the climactic moment, you blew with your wind, the sea covered them. And it's, you know, all this fury from the enemy. And then what, what does God have to do? He kind of, he just blows the fluff away. You blew and it was gone. Um, and it's, you, you, poetry can kind of enjoy the, the, the moment of, you know, the Lord's just blowing pharaoh away and then the rhetorical questions in verse 11 which wouldn't work in a sunday school because someone's going to try and answer them but questions you're not supposed to answer who is like you O lord among the gods like no one who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in glorious deeds doing wonders there's there's no one like this and then there's the imagery so um his chosen officers sinking into the sea like a stone they sort of plummet down or then god's um, nostrils um sending out your fury consumes in like stubble the blast of your nostrils i think um in the bible the um, anger is associated with the nose it's just a sort of hebrew idiom and i suppose with us as well you imagine god snorting in indignation at them and out of his nostrils comes this wind which um, parts the sea um, I think we're we're meant to have our imaginations captured by what the Lord's done, but this is a song not just about what God has done, but about what God is about to do, <clears throat> and it sort of bridges from one to the other. And I think that's actually always the case when the genre changes. So we've had three, I think, bits that are not narrative. So we had the genealogy in chapter six, but the striking thing about the genealogy, it wasn't just here is Moses 
parents and grandparents. It was here are Maze's sons and grandsons. It went past Maze's into the future and we saw the establishing of a priesthood and the need for an enduring high priest and then when we had the rituals with the passover it wasn't just about that passover night but it was about future generations your son and your grandson celebrating this festival and similarly this isn't just a song for them to sing looking backwards but it's a song for future generations looking forwards and do you want to tell us how far forward it looks yeah it's really interesting so from verse 13 to the end of the song um, there's a theme change so it's not so much um, god himself has won the decisive battle he's the hero it then goes on to part two and therefore nothing can hinder his plan for us and we get caught up in in this um, picture of what's going to happen next it's actually some of it's put in the past tense um so you um you have led your people you have guided them um uh, terror and dread have fallen upon their enemies until you bring them into the land um and it's put past tense but it's actually going to happen in the future but it may as well be past tense because it's so certain bible sometimes does that it's it's certain enough that we can talk of it as if it's in the past and these enemies are so verse 14 philistia verse 15 edom moab canaan these are all the enemies we're going to meet next so we've dispatched pharaoh but the other ones are battles to come in the bible and even and i mean even when in verse 15 the inhabitants of Canaan have melted. It always makes me think of, um, what is it? The, <coughs> the Wizard of Oz. I'm melting. But <laughs> they are all melting with fear. And that's exactly what happens. So when the spies go into the land of Canaan, into Jericho, they meet Rahab, the prostitute. He says, we're all melting in fear because we've heard of what your Lord did to the Egyptians. So this is a prophetic song and it comes to exactly the way it's expected. Yeah. And... I'm, I think this could be called the Romans 8 of the Old Testament. So that there's a, a Romans 8 is one of the most loved chapters for, for Christians because it says what has happened in the future, in the past, guarantees what will happen in the future. And you get these lovely verses. What should we say in response? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all. That's in the past. Romans 8, 32. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Well, we know he's going to do everything he needs to to get us to the destination. And there's this this underlying logic that that the defeat of Pharaoh and the Passover in the Red Sea is the moment when God conquered. And now, yes, we've there's some going to be some difficult years. We've got to pass through the wilderness. There's some challenges. There will be a few little enemies along the way, but we know the outcome because we know the big enemy has been dealt with. And that's that's where we're placed in the Christian life. Mm. And then when we look at how far forward this song stretches, I think it's really interesting, because it, it's definitely at least as far as the promised land. So the, the people of Canaan, I mean, the Canaanites are the inhabitants of the promised land. Um, verse 17, you'll bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. Um, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. I mean, what what is that mountain? You think at first it might be Sinai, because that's where they go immediately, Mount Sinai. But then it's the place of God's dwelling and his sanctuary, which now sounds like the temple in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. So that's even further in the Old Testament. But then when it says that the place that your hands have made, 
I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but in the book of Hebrews, there's this big contrast between the tabernacle, which is made with hands, and then God's true sanctuary, which is in heaven, that is not made with human hands. And I don't know whether Hebrews is actually picking up from, from here, from Exodus, that um, where they're heading, ultimately, it's not just Sinai, it's not just Jerusalem, it's actually even looking forward beyond that to the day that we dwell with God in um in true his design. in his true place yeah yeah thank you um just as we close there's verse 11 is a really interesting um climax to the first half of the song um who is like you O lord among the gods so it's a, a we're being invited to compare god to the the false gods and i just wondered whether andrew you could s- help us see why in the story of exodus this is such a a wonderful climactic statement who is like you yeah I mean, this is we talked about this a bit in our plagues episode that and i think i was slow to realize it that it really is a battle between god and different gods and so we we struggle with that because we think aren't we monotheists you know surely god's the only god and the bible agrees god is the only god but he's not the only pretender to the throne and there are real rivals, they're demonic rivals. Um, and, you know, we saw that in Exodus with the Egyptian magicians who could do miraculous things. You know, they could make water into blood, they could make extra frogs. Um, but by the end of the plagues, we know that God is above all of those rivals. And it, it becomes important um, later in the book when Jethro is converted, because he's a pagan priest, but he hears what's happened and he goes, now I know that the Lord is above all the gods. So it doesn't mean that the Bible believes in multiple gods with a capital G. There's only one creator. And Genesis 1 tells us that. But there are rivals. And this is the moment that we see that the rivals are fakes and that he's victorious over them. Yeah. You were going to say something about Joseph. Yeah, there's a strange moment at the beginning of this section, at the end of chapter 13, where we're told um, they the Moses verse 19 took the bones of joseph with him for joseph had made the sons of israel solemnly swear saying god will surely visit you you shall carry my bones with you from here and it's strange at this point in the narrative we're just about to go into the the battle and the red sea and we're we slow down and we say oh don't forget to pack the bones (laughs) and um but it's a little moment for us to remember where we are in the whole bible story and it connects us to joseph and it connects us to joseph's hope which he had got from Abraham, that Egypt wasn't the ultimate destination. Joseph's hope was in God's promise to Abraham that there would be a people in God's place in the land. And so we're seeing that uh, even as they leave Egypt, they're remembering they're part of a much bigger story, which um, God had uh, ensured, um, promised about them. And that, that explains, I think, where the song goes at the end of chapter 15. It's not just brilliant, isn't isn't it great Pharaoh's dead? It's, oh yeah, because now we know the rest of the story is is going to end well. What God promised Abraham is definitely on track. And we saw, even at the beginning of Exodus, the people cry out at the end of Exodus 2, and um, God remembered his covenant with Abraham. And we're seeing that all of this isn't God thinking on the hoof, oh, what am I going to do next? This is one plan God is is in control of every moment of it, and he knows the end point. And so... Even as we're in the middle of the plan, uh, we can lean into God's um, the certainty that God's got it all under control, and that's, that's a lovely 
thing to be aware of, even as we're in the midst of all kinds of challenges day by day. We know where we're headed. So here's the chapter that we oughtn't just understand and stop or listen to a podcast and stop. Here's the chapter that we ought to sing and turn into praise. And so here is a recording of a song written by John Gemmell of Cornhill, Scotland, formerly a member of our church. He wrote the words and Sam James from Grace Church Greenwich wrote the music. I think Naomi is singing it. So a Grace Church effort on Exodus chapter 15 and enjoy and play it a few times and you can join in. The Lord is my strength and my song. To him all praises belong. Saves his people from slavery. Plunges his enemies into the sea. Exalt in your God who has won. The one who is your salvation. Sing, sing, sing. The triumphant song of the glorious one. Sing, sing, sing. To him who will welcome us. He will welcome us Now free and alive to 
has conquered all foes, victorious, triumphant heroes. Now prepares us a place for our rest, to dwell with him forever blessed. All praise to this Jesus our King, this song then forever will sing. Sing, 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 the triumphant song of the glorious one. listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.